Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Simple Church. My name is Tim Tool. I'm the Connect Pastor. If you have not seen me before, um, is it just me? But I would love to have the worship recorded. They need to record the worship songs so we can be singing them throughout the week. Am I the only one? I know Sylvie'd be all into it. So that's my request. Yeah, you get you can listen to the preaching message all week long, but you know, if you really want to listen to Aaron multiple times a week. Ouch. Well, good morning. We're working our way through Daniel. I'm continuing on in our, our series through Daniel. Aaron started the series to, to look at culture and how culture is impacting us as believers and how it is that, that we walk and respond uh, to the culture around us and, and how we've been called to respond and some of the adjustments that, that need to happen in our lives. And, and today we're going to be continuing on in Daniel. Um, you know, we, we, when we look at the, the characters in Daniel, Daniel and his friends are are, are living as exiles in, in Babylon, and, and, and they're being challenged by that culture to, to, to change how it is that they live and walk and, and behave, and, and you know, they're, they're basically flat out refusing to. And, and, and in this book, we get to see how, how we, we get to respond as well, that the culture that we're living in right now, uh, the culture in the, in the United States, is, is something that, that uh, doesn't really want us to live the way that God would have us live, that, that it doesn't really want us to, to make the decisions and walk in a way that, that God has called us to walk. And, and, and in, in this chapter that we're looking at today, chapter 5, um, we've been looking at how to make adjustments in the, in the last four weeks. But, but this week we're going to be looking at uh, where, what the culprit is, where the, where the, where the challenge begins, and, and, uh, and, and how we're supposed to respond the Babylonian culture was a very secular culture, which is very similar to ours. Um, Daniel and his friends were pressured. We're pressured. We're pressured. As we walk outside of these doors, we're pressured to live uh, in a different way. And, and that pressure is to not live a godly life. That pressure is to, to not be obedient to God's desires and to chase after uh, our, our wants and our desires and change, chase after the things of the world. So we're going to be looking at, D- at Daniel chapter 5. Some of the verses will be up there, but if you need a Bible, raise your hand. And one of our guys will get a Bible into your hand. Um, Daniel chapter 5 is where we're looking. Some of the verses will be up there, but it's, it's, a, it's a whole chunk of verses. And I'm going to be paraphrasing some. But we're going to start. We're just going to jump right into it. Chapter 5, verse 1. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for, for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and the silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote in the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. 
So we've got this, this cool story here, and sometimes we, we, we can look at Scripture and not really like pay attention to what's going on. This is, this is, this is, uh, this is kind of an interesting scenario. When, when we look at these verses and we see that, that Belshazzar was having this party, it wasn't like, uh, like the, the normal traditional Christian fellowship where you show up and everybody's drinking juice and, and you're playing, playing board games and stuff. This was, this was a worldly party, hardcore all the way. That that they were they were just drinking they were they were getting drunk they were this this was uh, the epitome of a, of of loose living sordid lifestyle they were they were not thinking about God whatsoever they were just thinking about their own enjoyment and pleasure and and ultimately desecrating what it was that that God had presented them and and that's that's just what this king was doing he was he was he was mocking God he was mocking God and. And so we we get this picture of this party, and then the party gets interrupted. God wants to interrupt this party. So he's thinking, how is it that I can go and wake up the king and his dudes? I know I'll do. I'll send an angel down to write on the wall, but not the whole angel, just the hand. That'll freak him out. And and so God sends an angel, just a hand, to write on the wall, and that freaks him out. Now, this is this is not like the, the typical magic stuff. It's not a Chris Angel or David Blaine or an Aaron DeLong. Aaron, Aaron had he wanted to do the servant just so he could do this magic floating thingy. They, they knew that this wasn't just some magic trick. They, they knew, the king knew it was something significant. Because if it was just a magic trick, we'd all be like, ooh, but he was scared. He was scared. The king sent something to wake this dude up. And, and this was a very unique way of waking him up. This is a, a, a unique experience in scripture. This is the only time that God used this method. God is a creative God, and he moves in unique ways. And he doesn't just move in unique ways in uh, the lives of the people of the Old Testament, he moves in unique ways for us as well. That that he has some handwriting on the wall for us. He he calls us and he and he asks for us to respond as well. In Belshazzar's case, it was a handwriting on the wall. Now, the king is scared. He knows something's up here. He knows he needs this interpreter. He's got some 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 re- weird words written on the wall, and and so he he calls for some interpreters. The king called out for all the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners to be brought and said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he'll be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. The king throws out this, this offer, this opportunity to, to you know, come in and I'll give you stuff. You figure out what this says and I'll give you stuff. You will, you'll be dressed really cool. You'll wear these cool chains. That was probably like the funky style of the time. You'll get power and control. Just, just tell me what it is. And what they couldn't do was figure out what it was. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. This, this, this is an example of how you know there's a, there's a purpose to what God is doing, and, and you don't know it without him. That you're not going to be able to go to some, some palm reader or some astrologer or... Or, or, or some worldly thing to figure out what it is that God is telling you. That, that, there, that, that God has you know, mysteries. There are mysteries of God that only God knows. And, and, and that's true in your life as well. That there are parts of your life that, that are a mystery unless and until you get connected with your creator. That you're probably not going to figure it out on your own. And, and you're not going to be able to figure it out in, in the world's way. But you will with God. That, that he's the creator, he's the one who, who uh, can help you figure that out, to figure out that mystery. 
So the king's got these people coming up, and they can't, they can't solve the, the riddle. They can't interpret what these verses say. And, but, but the queen, his mother, says, oh, you know, remember Daniel? Daniel, there was the dude Daniel that, that helped out your dad. And uh, she, she go get him. So the king goes and gets Daniel. And he offers Daniel the same thing that he offered all these other people. She goes, you know, I will give you the purple robe, the gold chains, the, the, the power and authority in my kingdom, if you can tell me what it says. And Daniel comes, and, and he's, he's probably got a little bit of an attitude. See, I don't want your stuff. You don't need to bribe me, but I will tell you what it means. I will tell you what it means. But first, I want you to, to think back. Remember your dad. We were looking at the verses next, last week. Was it last week or the week before? Where uh, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, God put, put him in a place of power. In his arrogance and his pride, he was doing whatever he wanted to do, not what God wanted to do. God removed him from power, sent him back crazy, shoved him out in the woods for seven years, and, and didn't come out of it until he humbled himself before the Lord. And God restored him. And, and Daniel is telling the king, you, you, re, you remember that. You know, that's not just some like lost, hidden story. You were there. You were his boy. You were watching what was going on. And you've forgotten. And, and I think that, that kind of plays out in our lives. We forget what God has done. We don't just forget what God has done in the lives of other people, but, but we can have the tendency to forget what God has done in our own lives. There are times where I'm walking through what may seem like hell, and I'm thinking, you know, how, how are you going to bail me out here, God? What, what is it that you're going to bring me? And, and I doubt and I forget how it was that he's brought me through the past. And then when he brings me through, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. I remember now. Why did I doubt you in the first place? Don't, don't forget. Daniel's told, telling the king, you forgot. You're an idiot. You forgot. You saw what was going on firsthand. And, and, and that's, a, that's a significant problem. And now you've got this handwriting on the wall. So he goes on. And, uh, and he tells them what the problem is. Before he gets to the translation, he goes on and tells them what the problem is. Let me find the problem. Verse 22, But you, his son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand, but you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. That's why you have this description. He'd forgotten. And... And, and as we forget, there's these deceptions that can come into our lives. There are these, these same issues that Daniel's telling the king that you've got, that we've got. The first one is there. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord. We too may have done this, knowingly or unknowingly. And, and we embrace a, a lifestyle that sets ourselves up against the God in heaven. Now, some of you might be saying, no way, man, I wouldn't do that. I'm a good Christian. I wouldn't do that. How is that possible? In the following verses, it explains how it's possible. Verse 23, You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drank wine from them. They took something that was sacred and defaced it. 
They took something that God intended as holy and made it common and abused it. Now, in this, in this scenario, we see that it was you know, the king took the stuff from the temple and he abused the stuff of the temple as, as, as Christians, as followers of Christ. We are that temple. And, it, and if, we, if we look at these verses in the context of our life, what are the things that we do that, that desecrate what he has called as holy? What do I put in my mouth? What do I put in my eyes? What do I put in my ears? How do I, how do I behave and walk? I like donuts. I love donuts. I love large quantities of donuts. Rush's donuts in particular. And I can eat a, like five, six Rush's donuts from, the, from walking out the door until getting to 270. They'll be all gone. And they know that's not good for me, yet I do it anyways. Right? There's nowhere in scriptures that God, you know, God says, don't eat donuts. But I'm a glutton. I'm a glutton there. What is it that we watch on TV? What is it the music that we live, listen to? What other stuff do we put in our body? How is it that we, that we use our body? These are all issues. You know, these are all issues that, that we're setting ourselves up against the God of heaven. We've treated ourselves as, as not much of anything. Continuing on, it says, You praise the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. These guys were, were lifting up something as holy that wasn't holy. They were lifting up stuff as holy that was not holy. I do that. I do that. And I guess that, that some of you do that as well. My experiment on first service was OH! It's a... Uh, it's, it's fun. And I'm not knocking Ohio watchers. I don't care. I don't watch it. I don't like Michigan either. I don't like football. But we lift, but we lift that up to a place of, of honor and worship. It's not a bad thing, but when we place it as something higher, it, it becomes a problem. Some of you guys like live for Ohio football. You, you never went to Ohio State, right? But your life balances on it. And it's not just Ohio football. You Think about your life. Look at, look at what's in your life. And what is it that you hold up? What is it that you're, that you're grasping for? Ohio State football is not going to save you. Money's not going to save you. Food's not going to save you. Drugs, alcohol, relationships with, with people are not going to save you. Church is not going to save you. God will. Amen. God will. And this is the culprit, the reason that we may have walked into some of this is, is that reason right there. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all of your ways. He's, he's not first. We forget that. We forget that it's, that it's him that deserves the honor, that, that it's he that holds my life, that it's he that calls the shots. And so for Daniel and King Belshazzar, he sent this inscription. But that inscription's for us as well. The inscription is, is for, for, for us as well. We're living in some of the days where you, where you have allowed some things that are supposed to be holy to be desecrated, that we have elevated some things that we probably shouldn't worship in our lives and treat them as honorable and holy, even though they can't save us. In so many ways, we have forgotten to include God or allowed him to be in control, when in reality he has the whole book on our lives. In doing these things, we're setting ourselves up against the God of heaven. 
And it's a deception that we fall for when we don't honor him in every way and in everything that we do. And so his response is to have the handwriting on the wall. And we know what that means, right? It comes from Scripture. I'm not sure if everybody knew that, but the handwriting on the, on the wall, that, that, that phrase comes from Scripture, but we know exactly what it means. It means impending doom is coming. Nobody wants to hear that about something that they're doing or how they're living. The handwriting's on the wall. You think, oh, crap, I've got to change something because something bad is coming. Something bad is coming. So the handwriting is on the wall, and the inscription says, many, many, tackle parson. So you got this, you know, God sitting down this hand by itself writing these, these things, which is freaky enough, but then you get these words, many, many, tickle parson. Uh, it's just weird, right? And nobody can, nobody can interpret it except for Daniel. God allows Daniel to translate this for the king, but not just for the king, for us as well. And in here we get, these, we get three warnings. The first is this, many. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. We forget that our time is limited. You will die. Everyone in this room is going to die. You have a limited number of days. We're all on death's door. This is a message from the Lord. This is an encouragement from him. You're going to die. Things that we have a lot of, we tend to squander. Things that we have a little of, we tend to hold close and use sparingly, right? My, my 12-year-old boy is 12, and he doesn't think about life and death. He probably thinks he's going to live forever. And so, you know, he does whatever he wants to do. My dad, who's 65 and is starting to see his brothers and sisters die, he's got a different perspective because he sees that his time is a little bit shorter. But in reality, it's short for all of us. It's short for all of us. Our life is like a vapor in the, in the scheme of eternity, and we don't know if we have tomorrow. We don't know it. Yet we live in a way and we do things in a way we, it, that, that, that it seems like we're going to live forever. And, and God's warning us. We need to be cautious for, for how we spend our time. Hebrews chapter 9 reminds us that we are destined to die once. We get one try, and after that we get to stand before the God of heaven and tell him what we did with the time that we had, with the time that he gave us. We forget that our time is not unlimited. Verse 27, tackle. You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. We allow our lives to get out of balance. We allow our lives to get out of balance. We, God says, look, I've given you this gift. I've given you this time. You're, you're breathing now. There's a purpose for you. And, and I've weighed you on the scales and your life is found wanting. It's, your life is out of order. We invest our time in things that don't need to be invested in, and we fill up our time with so many things. We say yes to so many things. In this culture, in the worldly culture, we are, we are told we can have it all. Not only can we have it all, but we deserve it all. And we should be able to do everything, participate in everything, go to all the birthday parties, work 90 hours a week, have a fairy tale marriage, do all the parties, everything and anything, watch the Buckeyes game every Sunday, Saturday, right? Oh. I don't watch the games. So that part's not on my list. I don't, it frees me up. But we buy into this lie of culture that we can do it all. And what we need to do is slow down. We need to, we need to slow down. It's not possible 
to, to keep the pace that most of us as Americans are trying to keep. It's not possible. It's not healthy. It's not God's design. He wants more for us. We were made for more. Not more stuff, not more activities, but more of what he has for us. He didn't make you to work a job, sit at a computer, drive a nice car, live in a big house, to have the title at the end of your name, to have all the newest devices. He, he doesn't care about any of that. That is, that is not our eternal purpose. That is not why he put you here. He put you here for something much bigger. He put you here for something much bigger. We need to figure out what that is. And, and the goal of my sermon is not for me to tell you what that is. Because in our relationship with Christ, we will find out. But he's, he's got so much more for us. Eternity is coming. And before you know it, we'll be there. And we might be saying, how did I get here? And we may look back and regret for what we did with our time. We'll stand before God and see that, man, our lives were out of whack. They were out of balance. And then Daniel 5.28, Perez. Perez is the singular form of parson, but it says your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Daniel says, Daniel's telling the king that, that his kingdom is divided, and that happens with us. We don't realize that our time is valuable. We, we overwhelm it with, with all of these activities and things that we're trying to do or get, and, and the warning is that division is coming, disaster is coming. We can't do all of these things and expect that our marriage is going to stay firm. We can't keep the pace of all of this stuff and expect that we're going to have a good relationship with our kids. We've, we've allowed ourselves to be overwhelmed so much um, that something is going to get destroyed. It may be your peace, your marriage, your family, your finances. Something is going to break. And we ignore those warning signs, don't we? We ignore them. God sends warning signs into our lives to wake us up to these things. He is a good God. And if we, if we don't listen, then there's going to be disruption in our lives. Stress is a gift from God. Stress is a gift from God. It's letting us know that we're on the wrong path. We're taking on too much. We're not, we're not walking with others. That stress is, is, is a sign, a gift from him saying that something's wrong. And, and pain is the same thing. Pain is a gift from God. I don't want that gift, but, but that gift is telling us, you know, when we're in pain, some, something is wrong. Something needs to change, either in, 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 in your body or in your walk. He sends both of those to let us know that, that something needs to shift. Something needs to change. And, and, and I know that my tendency is just to block it all out. Pain and stress, it's there, but if, you, if, I, if I work harder... I won't feel it. Or if, or if I take some leave, I can, I can ease it. Or it's just covering up the pain. There's still pain. That pain and stress is still there. We don't see the warning signs, and we end up embracing the denial. We embrace the denial. Pain and stress are there for a reason. They're the warning signs. They're the handwriting on the wall. It's something's coming. You know, when you're getting ready to have a heart attack, your left arm starts hurting. It's a warning. It's a warning, right? God places those warnings in our lives as well. Now, there are some symptoms that you may be ignoring those warning signs. The first one is that you 
that the risk for sinful choices increases. As we get stressed out, the devil is a brilliant deceptor. He's, he's, he is waiting. He is waiting for you to get to the place where you're starting to crack, and then he's going to present you with the temptations that he knows you could fall for. The moment that you say yes to everything, um, you may be feeling like you're, you're, you're taking advantage of that that, uh, you know, if my wife just did this, I wouldn't be this angry. I, w- I wouldn't be this frustrated. If my kids behaved better, then I wouldn't be responding this way. If you pick, pick the scenario and, and you respond to the people in, in a way that, well, it's, I'm the one that's being taken advantage of. And, and the devil will come and he'll say, you know what? You know what will release that pain for you? Why don't you drink this? Why don't you click that? Why don't you talk to them? Why don't you go over here? Why don't you just entertain this for a little bit. Step away from God and entertain these things. He brings those temptations for us, and, and then we choose them. We choose them. If you've noticed that temptation is an all-time high in your life, know that it is a warning sign. The handwriting is on the wall. You might be in a really bad place. Don't ignore that. You need to rest and slow down. Another symptom is that your emotions become inconsistent. I know that when my life gets out of whack, when my life gets uh, full and and I get frustrated easily, that that my kids and my wife are the, the primary receivers of my emotional instability. That I'm short with my wife and sarcasm flows out of me like a master on my kids and and they'll look at me like, whoa, what is going on? When I'm, when I'm reaching that breaking point emotionally, they feel that wrath. And I'm going to assume that's probably the same with a lot of you. I've seen some of you interact with your kids. <laughs> we, res- we respond emotionally wrong with the people around us. Is that going on in your life right now? You may be missing some warning signs. Another, another symptom is that we become less productive. You know, we, we fill up our lives with so much stuff and school, work, family, church, and, and we just pack more and more in, and what we end up doing is just walking around in circles. And the stuff that we're trying to get done is, is of poor quality or, or not getting done at all, and, and, and we've just spread ourselves so thin that we're breaking down. We're breaking down, we're shutting down, and, and our pro- productivity is just... The world, the way the world does it is not working, right? And we're called the Sabbath. We're called to rest. One of these issues when we get overwhelmed is we don't take that time to Sabbath, to, to take the break, to cease from working. And, and for most of us here, that would be Sunday, right? We get to come here and, and participate in worship and, and, and then afterwards hang out with friends, go out to a meal, watch a game or or whatever it is, that, that we can actually use Sunday as a day of rest. And that's the encouragement. Don't check your emails. Let work go by the wayside. You know, if, if you take the break, you're letting God know that I trust you to see that this will get done, that this will be okay. That if we just continue to take on ourselves and don't take the break, we're saying, I don't trust you, God. Yeah. 
Now, I'm going to throw out, I threw out the public service announcement this morning. I'm going to throw it out for, for second service as well. For most of us, Sunday can be our Sabbath day. For your lead pastor, Sunday is not his Sabbath day. Sunday is his day of work. Friday is his Sabbath day. Friday is the day that Pastor Aaron takes to rest. And my encouragement to everybody here is to hold him accountable and participate in his Sabbath rest on Friday. If, if you want to shoot him a note of encouragement, give him a call, just say how he's doing as a friend, do that. But if it's church stuff, save it for Thursday or Saturday or on Sunday morning. Talk to him after he's preached. But, but give, give him, encourage him by allowing him the day of rest. Um, he needs it. We all need it. But we get to participate in his. Um, so my encouragement to you is to not just take a Sabbath day, but also... Um, allow Aaron his as well. Have a day to worship and do something with your family that replenishes your soul. The last symptom I want to look at is that we can't hear from God. We can't hear from God. Um, And that's because we just have too many voices in our head. We've got too many things going on. When we're standing in this room, if I take my microphone off and, and, and I was talking, you'd be able to hear me. That if you're standing in the back of the room, you'd be able to hear me. But during meet and greet, when everybody's up, the music's playing, and everybody's talking, you're hard-pressed to hear the person you're standing in front of, let alone somebody on the other side of the room, right? And, and that's how it is. That is often how it is with our walk with God. We've got so much stuff going on, not placing him first, that all this other noise and distraction keeps us from hearing him. It's not that he's not talking. He's always talking. But it's often just a whisper. He wants you to be listening and we need to be listening. We need a time where we can, we can set aside to listen to him, where we get together with him and ask him, what do you got for me today? What is it that you want me to hear? Who is it that you want me to talk to? How is it that you want me to behave? How can I be prepared for this morning? And for me, for me, if I don't do that in the morning, I probably won't do it. First thing in the morning is, is my best time to listen Now, Belshazzar didn't listen, and it caused him some problems. 529. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Great for Daniel. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. It didn't work out so good for him. He was so far down the path that there was no return. The handwriting on the wall was doom and destruction for for the king. It's not for us. It's not for us. We've got some turning points that that I want to share. We're not stuck in, in a place of doom. If you've fallen for the deception that we don't realize life is short, if we've forgotten that our days are numbered, we have the call to live with a with purpose and urgency. Make the moment moment of of every breath, why you still draw one. You draw one right now. If you're here today, you're alive and breathing. And if you're breathing, that means God's got a purpose for you. He's not done with you yet. But we have to, we have to, to live that way. We have to live that way. It's never too late to start. You're never too broken doesn't matter who you are, where you're at, what part of the spiritual journey you're on. Maybe you've walked away from God your entire life. 
In one moment, God can set you straight and he has things for you to do on this earth. Paul said, I was the most messed up guy that's ever been saved. And I think the only reason he saved me was to prove to you that it was possible. God wants to do something with your life. And we need to live with a sense of purpose and urgency. We don't have all the time in the world. We might not even have tomorrow. The next is put first things first. Matthew 6.33 says, but, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. You know, what if, what if I've gotten my life out of order? What if my life is, is really messed up right now and not in balance? What if the things just aren't where they're supposed to be? We need to make sure that, that we get first things first. There's a principle of order. Order determines capacity. If I start off my morning with emails and Facebook and, and games and stupid hashtags and, and, and all these little unimportant things that don't really matter, on the back end of my day, that will all that I've probably gotten done. That we, that we need to, to take some time and effort to put first things first, that, that, that I spend time with God. That I, that I exercise, that I plan out my meals so that, that I'm not like desperate for food and just go to McDonald's. It's kind of like that, that, that jar that, that if you're trying to fill it up, you put the, the golf balls in first and then the pebbles and then the sand and you can fit it all in. You will always, if, if you put God first and exercise first and, and, and eating right first, you will still get in all your Facebook and emails and stupid games and stupid hashtags. Right? Nobody ever gets to the end of the day and goes, man, I wish I did one more hashtag. That's just not how it works. That's just not how it works. You need to put first things first. Spend a little time to plan out your meals. Have your Bible there when you wake up. Take a walk in the morning. You need to be intentional about your lives and get first things first. And God needs to be first. First in our week, first in our day, first in our money, first in our marriage and our family. He deserves it. He'll bless you for it. And, and then you just need to do it now. Tomorrow never comes. How often do we set this future date as the time when we're going to start something? I'm going to start my diet January 1st, 2015. I'm going to start reading my Bible and praying when I get married. You know, I'll wait till my kids are like 10 before I start investing in them spiritually. We, we put these things out there so far and then we get there and we never do them. You know, realistically, we never do them. They're great ideas, wonderful intentions, but they don't happen. We've got now. We can do it now. Start now. And this is, this is nothing new, right? I'm not preaching anything new. Everybody's familiar with this, right? But we need to be reminded. We, we need to be reminded that tomorrow, that next season, that magical moment when we pop into the person that we're supposed to be is never going to come. It doesn't magically just happen. we got to start now. Someday we have to wake up to the reality that life is only the total of the decisions that we have made. It's time to start making some better decisions. And we start now. And by God's strength and his help, we need to make these adjustments. But, but you know that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit won't contend with us forever. He comes and he whispers and, and he tells us, hey, will you change? 
Then he takes away our peace and we feel kind of at odds with everything. Culture tells us to pop a pill, do something to make you feel better. Just ignore it. Just push past it. But it's the pain that God brings into our lives that, that is trying to wake us up. That's the hand ringing on the wall. He's trying to wake us up. 2 Corinthians 6 2 says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. He brought you here while things are still favorable towards you. Maybe today is your wake up moment. Prayerfully, today is your wake up moment. That it's time to make some adjustments in your life. And how about we do it before the pain? How about we do it before the division? God did not intend us to have a divided life. But destruction is coming if we don't make the adjustments. You want your kids to love you, your marriage to stand the test of time, you want to fulfill your destiny. I do. And I know that I need to be constantly making adjustments. It's so easy for me to veer off off the track. Fall for the, for the devil's deceptions. If you'd all bow your heads right now, nobody looking around. For some of you here, there may be a gap between you and the Lord, that there is a distance in your relationship with him. Maybe you don't even know him yet. You do the church thing, but you don't have a relationship with him. Maybe you did know him at one point, but you said yes to too many things and your life is just way out of balance. And now you're really messed up over it. I want to help you connect with him. This is your moment of favor. God can bring his peace into whatever chaos you've created. He can rescue you from that. Your only part is to completely surrender to him. Simply pray right where you're at. God, I need you in my life. Forgive me for doing my own thing, for all the times I have gone my own way. Forgive me for my sin. I really want to change and get my life in balance. So I ask you to come into my life today. Be the Lord of my life and to change me. Make me into the person I'm supposed to be. Give me the strength to do it every day. With your head still bowed, some of you, some of some of you have Christ and your lives are out of balance. We may be trying to do what God has called us to do in our own strength, not Sabbathing, not resting, saying yes to too many things. I'm going to pray that God gives you the strength to push against the culture, to create margin in your life, to put God first and, and trust and know that he'll show you your purpose. Father, I, I lift this all up. All of us in some form or fashion need to slow down. I repent for our lives getting out of balance and not watching our time closely. By your Holy Spirit, I pray that we make adjustments to, to see the stress and pain that you send into our lives go away. Not to ignore it, but to see you solve it today, Father. It's in Jesus' name I pray. As I wrap up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer you a couple moments of reflection. You've got your connection cards. Um, my hope is that, that on that connection card, not on the card that you, that you hand in, but on the notes section, that, that you take a moment and see what...